How's it going, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to our fourth episode of the Third Decade Podcast. My name's Scott Bennett, and I really hope everyone's uh, staying healthy and safe right now, and everybody's doing okay. We're really excited today to branch out into a topic that we haven't spent really any time or much time in the Third Decade course itself, and definitely not much time in this podcast or any time in this podcast or a blog. Um, and that topic is ESG investing. So ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance Investing. It is a way to invest that says, um, I'm going to put these environmental, social, or governance issues before my investing. So we, at the third decade, teach mutual fund investing or index fund investing with mutual funds and ETFs. And ESG is another layer on top of that is, is the way I would look at it. So it's something that we've talked with with participants uh, specifically who have interest in that and who have asked about it, but it's not something that we have actively said, here's something for the entire third decade community to think about and look at. But it's, it is something that is gaining more popularity and is getting easier and easier to do. Some of the barriers have been removed in terms of doing it that existed before. So it's the right time, we think, for us to address it and, and to talk about it as a real option. My guest today is actually a third decade mentor, Lily Sturmo, who some of you might work with and have hopefully met before. She's a mentor with us. She's also a financial planning associate with TTI Wealth Advisors and is on track to being a great advisor there. She is a CFP, a certified financial planner. And she was last year in 2019, she was actually awarded the Socially Responsible Investing 30 Under 30 Award and is also a chartered socially responsible investment counselor, meaning that she has not only passed the CFP on, on certified financial planning tests, she has also put another layer on top of that and has become a socially responsible investing counselor as well. So she's somebody who this is clearly her passion. It's clearly something that she has spent a lot of time learning about and seeing. And I hope you all enjoy and learn a little bit on the real basics and, and the first part of ESG investing. I hope you all enjoy. Hi, Lily. Hi, Scott. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so, so much for doing this. I know this is a topic that a lot of our participants are interested in, and, and I'm really happy to to have you with us. Oh, Thank you. I am always so excited to talk about this topic, so I am stoked. I, I just, in the intro, I spent some time reading through your laundry list of accolades and accomplishments, um, especially for somebody at, at such a young age. So it's so obvious to me that this is something that you've taken and are really passionate about, and it's a big part of, of your life. And you've made it not only your career to be in the financial world, but, but been able to follow your kind of environmental um, passion as well. So what, what led you to being so passionate about ESC investing? Yeah, so I, I mean, ever since I was little, I loved being outside and I'm a big kind of proponent of getting outdoors. Um, my bachelor's is in environmental studies and after I graduated, I was a backpacking and river rafting guide in Grand Canyon for about five years and it's just something that just kind of conservation, biodiversity, kind of environmental issues are something that's always struck a chord with me and I've always been really passionate about. And the fact that I can now use the current career I'm in to continue to educate and kind of inspire people to 
to invest with their passions is just something that I think is so cool. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, was this something that when you okay, I know I knew about the 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 backpacking guide in the Grand Canyon. Um and obviously we we worked together and actually uh studied for the CFP together and stuff. Was was it kind of something that you came on later that you said, Okay, I can I can get into this financial advising world um and help people in that way and then and then you found that the environmental, the ESG investing was a component of it, or was it something you were kind of targeting before to say, yep, I want to be an advisor, but I also want to continue along down this path as well? Oh, good question. Yeah, it it kind of happened organically. I, I knew I wanted to be an advisor, um, but before I kind of really got into the industry, um, I had not really learned a whole lot about ESG investing or sustainable investing. And so once I started and and kind of expressed my passions, it all kind of lined up really well to start doing more research and educating clients. Um, and the field, we'll talk about this later, but just continues to get more and more um, expansive and popular. And so uh, it's just, it's an exciting time to be learning about this new kind of tilt on investing. Sure, sure. Yeah. So, I, I introed a little bit what ESG means, the Environmental, Social, and Governments. That's that's what the acronym is, right? But can you go into what, what each three of those actually mean in, in the world of investing? For sure. So ESG is really kind of a way for us to evaluate different companies based on their impact and those different factors that that they're – kind of impacting on the industry. So environmental is pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Does a company have a bunch of toxic spills or do they have a plan to become carbon neutral? Are they minimizing pollution? Kind of those sorts of things. Um, social is anything from do they have diversity in the company? Are they engaging in child labor? Do they do animal testing? Um, are their profits coming from gambling? And then governance is a little bit more internal, where we're looking at kind of what the executive compensation is. Is it is uh, gender pay equity there? Is there diversity on their board? So um, those are the three kind of key components of ESG. Got it. So the social category to me seems to be a little bit of the most ambiguous, where that's a little bit based on who's who's judging it, right, uh, something socially res uh, responsible to one person and isn't to another. So who's who's making those decisions, uh, th those decisions of, of who, what's what's a social company look like and what, what constitutes a company that is socially responsible to one that isn't? That's such a good question. The fund manager, whoever is building a social fund, is – going to take into account who's asking for that fund and what their values are. But let's kind of just have a hypothetical here. Say I have one client that thinks that a social fund is socially responsible and excludes tobacco, alcohol, and gambling, whereas client B thinks that socially responsible is excluding firearms, or including education to low-income communities. So that's that's kind of the tricky part here is right. 
socially responsible investing totally depends on who you are and what your values are. So when you see a socially responsible fund, I think the key is you need to do your homework and read the fund perspective to see what the goal of the fund manager really is um, because the take could be completely different than what you think is socially responsible versus what um, that fund manager thinks, right? Sure, sure. And that that's, yeah, that's so important. I think that's such a huge aspect because if you're doing doing the work and and doing what it takes to say, you're making a conscious decision, say, you know, indexing works, it's something that, that we do. I want to I wanna level up a little bit and do some ESG investing. And you're doing that, you should know what, what, what's going into that. That's a huge, huge piece. And you should know who's making those decisions. So you said the prospectus, mm-hmm. um, which for anybody listening, the prospectus is something that can be readily found. So if you find a fund that you say, this, this seems like a good one for me, um, you're, the prospectus should be readily and easily accessible to you uh, to read about that fund and see one of the points of the prospectus, not only for, for ESG funds, but for any fund, is to say what's, what's this fund made up of and what is what constitutes being in this fund versus not. So, Lily, is it true that some of the social funds also have a little bit of a religious lean as well? Because I think um, that is something that I've, I've heard personally, and I know that um, you know some investors might go in and, and that might be something really beneficial to them, but other ones might go, it might have the opposite effect where, okay, no, socially uh, responsible does not have religious ties to it, but instead has the values. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, that's a piece of it where you want to make sure that you're doing your research because that's some, some investors will say that that's kind of where a big piece of ESG investing kind of started was with religious um, beliefs. Um, if we take it back to uh, the Quakers in 1758, um, they had a meeting where they prohibited all of their members to um, participate in slave trade. Wow. So a lot of people say, you know, that's kind of where where this all kind of started was religious values kind of directing and influencing how people uh, profit, right? It, it is kind of, it's it's wild, but... You know, there there are specific funds that are faith-based, so that's absolutely something to take a look at if that's that's what um, appeals to you or, you know, is part of your values. And then there are other ones that really kind of diverge from that, and it's not really about any, any sort of religious um, affiliation. So, yeah, yeah it, it depends on, it depends on what you're looking for. Sure. When ESG is, is obviously the acronym, it's what we keep repeating. Mm-hmm. When if somebody says I want I want an ESG fund, are there different funds? Is there an is, is there an environmental fund, a social, and a government governance fund, or is there could people be looking for one fund that constitutes all three? Oh, good question. There are some funds that are specifically like really highly um, specific on clean water or clean energy. So it only will hold things like solar power and wind energy, right? Sure. Um, but then if we're looking at kind of a comprehensive or more holistic way to evaluate companies, there is there are funds that um, kind of across the board are using ESG analysis as kind of an extra level of just risk assessment 
um, across all the industries that they're even looking at. So um, effectively, it's becoming a lot more mainstream um, where ESG kind of risk assessment is happening more often. So there's both. There there are specific funds that are going to be really key to um, diversity or environmental issues, and then there are going to be ones that incorporate all three um, and and rate rate each company based on all three of those factors. And the ones with all three are kind of just it's it's a it's an extra layer I think you said where mm-hmm. so let's take the S and P 500 the 500 biggest companies in the United States right and mm-hmm. and that's you buy that index then an extra layer is put on top of that index to say we're going to cut out all all of the these companies who do not fit what we view as uh, environmentally, environmentally, socially, or, or governance-wise responsible. And um, it's to some people that it's it's the moral reason to do that. But is is there also some some investment reason to do that? I mean, how have these ESG funds compared to the more broad indices? Right. Um, so it depends on the fund, obviously, but um, some of them have actually you know, outperformed their benchmarks. And I I think a good way to think of it is if you see a company that is dependent on a really finite resource to continue to make profits and it has all these citations from the EPA for, you know, polluting into rivers and they're getting all these fines, maybe that's not a great company to be investing in anyway. And so kind of inherently, you want companies that have long-term plans to become more sustainable or, um, you know, have good employee retention because they treat their employees well, so they're not going to have as much turnover. So it, it it's kind of common sense where you're looking at companies that are actively trying to better themselves to make sure that they have more of a long-term impact and can continue to be a profitable company right yeah yeah that makes that makes total sense yeah so obviously it just it depends on 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 what what companies are within that and and the the ones that they're being viewed with um but they they have outperformed you know one of the pillars of the third decade and things that we talk about all the time is passive investing right Right. low cost index type mutual funds or etfs and the idea that you're not beating the market. So in terms of the ESG space, let's say somebody believes in passive investing. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's still possible within the ESG space? Um, and, and are you seeing both? Is there Are there passive ESG funds and active ESG funds mm-hmm. um, and vice versa? Right, yeah. And so I I would caution anyone that's looking into this to really, like the first thing you should do is figure out what is important to you um is it clean is it a clean environment is it child labor what what are you really looking for is it all of those things um but when you're looking at different funds a lot of them as you just said tend to have much more of an active management approach which leads to higher fees or um sometimes a really concentrated portfolio so um you know, make sure that you have that in the back of your mind when you're looking at the different kind of facts in terms of the fund. You can still find 
ESG funds that are highly diversified and still have more of a passive kind of low fee tilt to them. And um, there's kind of a couple different keywords when you're looking at these funds that you might want to keep in mind. Um, sometimes they'll say that their ratings is exclusionary or their their methodology is exclusionary. So that just means that if there's a company that doesn't kind of fit into the parameters of what the fund's goal is, that they're totally going to exclude it from the portfolio. Um, and then sometimes there's another aspect of that where other funds may be underweight or overweight companies based on how sustainable or, or how ethical they are. Uh, and so just kind of looking at how how are they structured, because if you if you have a fund that is you know, eliminating an entire sector or industry, it might not be as well diversified as maybe you're hoping. Sure. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, cool. So you, you said it before, but the the ESG space is kind of exploding right now, and I, I, I believe for, for good reason. What what are you seeing in terms of the industry as a whole? What, what positive changes and is ESG investing becoming easier? Yeah. Well... I can tell you just from working with third decade participants and um, some clients, it's something that comes up a lot now. I mean, I read about it in in a lot of the financial journals that I read, and the U.S. SIF just reported back in 2018 that sustainable and responsible investing is now at 12 trillion in assets in the U.S., which is pretty huge it's it's really popular in, in um, Europe and that's kind of where a lot of it has developed in terms of social responsible investing and so to see the US kind of coming at this and and the popularity that it's gained it's just it's really exciting it feels really good sure yeah it, it is pretty exciting and I think you know the the power of the market right it, Companies are, are seeing that. They're not mm -hmm. blind to that, and they're seeing where where that shift is coming. So it, it becomes now beneficial for a company who might not have been included in, in, an, in an ESG fund because they didn't fit the standards of that fund to say, how do we get up to that? Um, and how do, we, how do we approach that as a firm to, to do that? And that can only lead to more positive changes, I think. I, I completely agree with you. You know, if, if you have a energy company that has plans to become more sustainable in X amount of years, then, you know, maybe they should be included in the sustainable portfolio or a responsible portfolio because they're, they're making positive change. Maybe they're not there yet, but they're moving in that direction, which is what we want. So in terms of the, the mechanics, mm -hmm. let's say somebody listens to this and they say, I, I want to do this. So the first thing would be if you have a third decade mentor, talk to them, see if it's kind of fits within your plan and overall, but at the end of the day, it's, it's everyone's personal decision to say, this is how I want to invest my money and uh, do your research, right? But mechanically, is it any different from investing in other mutual funds or ETFs? No, um, no. If you're on um, the platform, wherever you're investing, or you have access to funds where you can kind of use those preferences to figure out what ESG funds make sense to you. It's 
mechanically no different than putting your money in a normal index versus a ESG kind of index. So it's really all just about making sure that you understand what your kind of values are and making sure that you're aligning those with something that A, um, makes sense with the investment philosophy that we think makes sense for you and um, yeah, aligns with your values. Well, thanks again, Lily, and uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. I hope you all enjoyed our conversation on ESG investing and learned a little bit, as I know I did. Lily is actually going to be writing a blog post on the Third Decade blog as well to coincide with this podcast, to have any relevant links or anything like that, and and to just kind of put into writing a lot of what we touched on, because we did just scratch the surface, and, and it is a topic that is is really broad and ever-changing. So keep an eye out for that as well. That will be on the Third Decade blog in the coming weeks. And I will talk to you all in a couple of weeks for our next episode.